When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello friends, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. In royal news, Prince Harry sat down with James Corden for a carpool karaoke style interview in an open air bus across Los Angeles this past week. Comedic bits aside, there were actually some good and powerful moments in this interview, which in some ways further proves my point of conjecture and speculation that things are not as bad as they seem. The media is just presenting a narrative that they think will share more stories. Prince Harry first in the interview made note that he's much more comfortable watching The Crown than reading anything else printed about him or Meghan in the news or any other media outlet. In summarizing his argument, he says, quote, You know that The Crown isn't trying to be news or real. It's loosely based around some fact, but it never claims to be the truth, end quote. And he has a real problem with the media misconstruing information and subsequently reporting it as fact. It is known and accepted that Prince Harry, ever since the death of his mother, Diana, Princess of Wales, has had a very big problem with the media and news outlets, and he's never really liked them. When talking about leaving the family, Prince Harry made it clear that it was never actually about officially leaving the family. It was about, quote, stepping back rather than stepping down end quote. And they haven't officially left the family. One of the big reasons he gave about making his decision was that the environment became toxic. The press and the media were not being kind. I very much remember how mean they were to both of them. His mental health was taking a decline and was entering in a dark place, and he needed to protect himself, his new wife, and eventually his family. He stressed that it was the media being a major factor of the leave, and he didn't mention the family at all. When talking about life post-lockdown, Prince Harry did make it clear that no matter what, him and the Duchess will always be doing public service and giving back. It's what royals do. But in some ways, he was hinting that himself and Meghan will be doing their own form of service rather than ones that were strictly dictated by the monarchy. It does contradict that the statement made by the queen regarding service, but it kind of shows in some ways the two different services. It seems he didn't want to do that kind of service anymore. He wanted to do his own and that's within his right. All in all, it was actually a fun interview. It showed a very informal side. He was being comedic and having a good laugh and it was just enjoyable. It was about 17 minutes long. It was nice, but that was the big royal update. He sat down in an interview with James Corden and really got to tell his side of things, which granted, there's always three sides, side one, side two, and then the truth, but who knows? But it was nice to see him talk about his side of things and how he feels. He seems to be in a pretty good place. Today, we are going back to Balmoral, and we are talking about the famous or infamous Balmoral Test. Depicted in season four of The Crown, this idea of the quote-unquote Balmoral Test 
is on everyone's mind. Are they real? Are they really this bad? What are these exactly? How stressful are they? Well, for one thing, they're very much real, especially for people marrying into the royal family. Although they aren't officially called Balmoral Tests, these few day stays at the castle can be very stressful, have a lot of pressure, and in some ways can make or break a potential relationship. So what are Balmoral Tests? Stay tuned and we'll see if we can pass our very own. My sources for today are two great articles from Oprah Magazine and Harper's Bazaar, as well as texts from Andrew Morton in his book, Diana in Her Own Words. In the previous episode, we went into some general history about Balmoral to better understand it as a royal residence. It's a country home used as a place of retreat during the summer holiday season for the royal family. They hunt, fish, enjoy Highland games, outdoor sports, ride horses, go on picnics, take long walks, and many more across the estate. But the big punchline here is that Balmoral is a very intimate space for the royal family where they can be away from the media and the public and be themselves. They can let their hair down and be a common family. It's the favorite residence of many people within the royal family, including the Queen and the Prince of Wales. And it is a very big honor to be invited to Balmoral. I cannot stress that enough. While it is informal, there are still rules and protocol and traditions. You know, you're still with the royal family after all. And in the world of dating, it is somewhat the test that everybody has to pass, but just on steroids. That test is meeting the family. So why are these tests such a big deal? Well, to start, it's not called a test. It's colloquially known as the Balmoral test, but within the firm, as it's called, it's not called a Balmoral test. They don't sit around and discuss who are we going to give the next Balmoral test to. No, that's not what it's called. You're, you are sent a formal invitation saying that you are invited to Balmoral and there's usually a general date frame saying this is the when you will arrive, this is when you will leave. Typically it lasts a few days, but I have seen where certain individuals can stay for up to a week and that is usually reserved for prime ministers because of how often they interact with the family. I cannot stress it enough. It is a massive honor to get invited to go to Balmoral. And as royal protocol dictates, if you get invited anywhere to anything by the sovereign or any member of the royal family, you go. No ifs, ands, or buts. You go. It is a very big honor. But there's more honor and prestige placed on Balmoral because of the intimacy and informality it presents. Now from there, once you make your RSVP and tell them that you're that you're coming, that's where the real the real fun begins. You get up there and you spend time with the family. The royal family has been in existence for over 1,000 years, and in that time, there are a lot of family traditions, rituals, and other trends that have developed. If you can keep up and stay above water, then you can stay around. If you make too many missteps, then it's bye-bye for the royal family. In some ways, if you can't hang at Balmoral, then you really can't hang with us. Of course, some faux pas are bound to happen, and they understand that, especially if they're bringing somebody who isn't used to royal protocol around. 
it can be a big culture shock. So they understand if some faux pas exist, but if you make too many missteps, that's where you get put on the chopping block. Prime ministers are always welcomed at some point. I've seen where some have spent a lot of time at Balmoral and some do the bare minimum. It all just depends on the relationship that they have since developed with the sovereign. But of course, if a royal is dating someone, that is the big test because not only is the immediate royal family there, but the entire group is there. That's a big thing. All, almost all of the royal family goes to Balmoral at some point during the summer season. Princess Diana had her first experience in 1980. Uh, the Duchess of Cambridge went in 2009. The Duchess of Sussex went in 2017. The Countess of Wessex started dating Prince Edward in the mid-90s, and they got married in 1999. So it's safe to say that some point in the mid to late 90s, Sophie had her first experience at Balmoral, and at some I couldn't locate when Sarah, Duchess of York, went to Balmoral for the first time, but they got uh, she married the Duke of York in 1986, so it's safe to say that sometime after Diana went, Sarah was shortly behind. So how do you prepare for these tests? We know that these tests involve interacting and mingling with the family, but how do you prepare? You have to be very up to snuff on your protocol and how interacting with the royal family works and just to be sure when you rsvp you basically get sent like a package from what i've told these are royal commentator words because clearly i have not been to balmoral i'm regurgitating what experts and people that have been with the family say that they have experienced you usually get sent some form of basic protocol sheets here's how to address the family. This happens anytime you meet a member of the royal family. But there's also some activities, a basic schedule, advice on clothing. They basically give you a little booklet or various sheets of paper to help you prepare. No matter what happens, the queen wants to make you feel welcome. They want to make you feel like, you know, this is going to be a positive experience. So they want to set you up for success as best they can. Now, how did this all come about that there is some form of preparation is in season four of, of The Crown, people were very critical of how poorly Margaret Thatcher was depicted in her Balmoral experience. It is known historically that she didn't particularly enjoy her time at Balmoral, but many former staffers have said that some of these faux pas wouldn't have happened because she would have been sent this information beforehand not when she got there or not at all so former royal staffers have come out to say if you get invited to balmoral they try to set you up for success as best you can the royal household knows how intimidating it all is so they try to make what could be a very stressful experience not so stressful now people have gone out of their way to be sure that they make a very good impression. Some people have gone so far as to buy almost an entire new wardrobe for the trip so that even the staff gets a good impression. But one thing to keep in mind is you are now entering into the private areas of the royal family. So of course, etiquette, polite conversation, overall good behavior is expected, but they still want you to be yourself. They don't want you to put on a front when you go to Bob. They still want you to be yourself, but just understand that basic social etiquette, etiquette for meals, royal protocol, you will be expected to follow. But if a misstep occurs in that regard, you, you know, it's not so much of a big deal. Now, one thing to be aware of is do not bring up politics or any controversial topic. 
one thing that is stated very clearly in the constitution is that members of the royal family have to remain politically neutral they cannot declare a side so one thing just to keep in mind is kind of stay away from controversial topics and conversations from what i've heard in readings tend to be very light now you've rscp'd for balmoral you know you're going you make your way up there you've gotten your paperwork so you know what to expect you know you'll be spending a lot of time with the family and participating in these in these like hikes and shootings and hunting and fishing and various activities i know in uh lady glenn connor's book i read some she doesn't talk too much about balmoral but in some that she does she talks about the activities that they did you know you're expected to keep up no, we're hey, we're waking up really early. We're gonna go do ABC, and then we're gonna do XYZ. And it's not a question of no, I don't want to do that. It's you do it, point blank, period. And so that's where a lot of stress can come for, especially if you're more like me, where sometimes I can't, I that type of activity doesn't naturally draw itself to me. That going to Balmoral would be very intimidating. So did the crown get it right? Well, in some cases they did, in some cases they didn't. It is true that Prime Minister Thatcher didn't particularly care for Balmoral. She wasn't fond of Balmoral, and she did have a couple missteps. But the show took some liberties to exaggerate things for storytelling purposes for what they wanted to do. And what they're trying to do is show that Margaret Thatcher is one type of woman and the queen is a different type of woman and that they're from different worlds. That's what they were trying to tell. But they did take some liberties there. Princess Diana, however, did do a good job. That's one thing that they did depict somewhat correctly, even if the activities were different. But the end goal of Princess Diana's Balmoral test being very successful is true. Now, the show depicts her as being there by herself, but in reality, she wasn't alone. She had her grandmother, Lady Fermoy, there, but also her sister, Lady Jane Fellows, and her husband, Robert Fellows, were there too. Robert Fellows worked in the royal household, so Lady Jane would have been there for, at the time, Lady Diana. Now, while Diana did do a very good job at her uh, first stay at Balmoral, some royal commentators uh, have believed that Diana may have put on an act to just just to kind of survive to make a good impression. Andrew Morton has gone on record when talking and writing about uh, Princess Diana that she loved Scotland. She enjoyed the area. She enjoyed the Highland and the atmosphere and the relaxation of it all. But the interacting with the royal family was very draining for her. And that's what she didn't like. She, in some cases, didn't like going to Balmoral because of the activities and having to constantly be on and she didn't really like some of the activities and the atmosphere to her was very stuffy and stressful and I've read a few times where the royal family seemed to notice that her first time to Balmoral was this wonderful woman kept up with everybody did everything with them and it was great and then after she married into the family her behavior was different and all of a sudden she was a different person so was she putting on an act we'll never know personally i don't know i don't have an opinion here it is unclear if the family will head to balmoral this year because covid is still running rampant around europe and the uk and it looks like things aren't changing anytime soon. Of course, vaccines are rolling out and people are being as safe as they can. But again, it's unsure if they will actually do that. I do hope they end up going back because of how much the family really seems to enjoy it. As long as Balmoral exists, and the royal family has it, Balmoral tests will continue to be a thing. 
course, how do you prepare? Well, you get your invitation, you RSVP, you get sent some things that'll really help, but that's typical for any type of experience when you engage with the royal family. Once you know that they're going to be there, the staff and household try to make it easier for everybody else because they know how intimidating and stressful it can be interacting with the royal if you don't already know what to do. When going to Balmoral, they try to set everybody up for as much success. One thing I like to think of with Balmoral is it seems to be a family reunion on steroids. You either have people that have fun and it's great, it's a positive experience. Sometimes it's the most stressful thing you can endure and you just close your eyes and grin and bear it. But Balmoral tests are not as depicted in The Crown where you're laid out to sea without a paddle or a sail and you have to just go with the punches. No, they give you information about what to expect, how to dress, basics of protocol, basic schedule of when you'll be there. And it's up to you to prepare as accordingly. If you do the homework and you can keep up, great, awesome. If you aren't very prepared, it can kind of show. Of course, you have to balance this line of protocol, etiquette, and what to expect versus being yourself. But of course, with any party, take the lead from the host. If you feel it's a little bit more informal atmosphere, you know, lean into that and relax a little bit. But again, you're with the royal family and the queen of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, so still be on your best behavior. But that, dear listeners, is a basic breakdown of what exactly constitutes a Balmoral test and what all goes into it. And think back, do you think you could survive a Balmoral test? Do you think you could pass? Personally, I don't know if I could. I'm not a very outdoorsy person. (laughs) But that is the basic foray into Balmoral tests. I'd like to thank you for stopping by the podcast today. I'm really glad that you came. If you want to email me to let me know how I'm doing, how to improve the podcast, if there's any topics you'd like me to cover, you can email me at britishroyalfanpod at gmail.com, or you can head over to Twitter and follow me at fanatic underscore royal. On Twitter, I try to post more regular updates within the royal family and interact with all of you as best you can, as best I can. And in general, I'd like to make this podcast as best as it can for all of you. Head on over to either Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast at the time. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. The more you review and share, the more the community will see the podcast and the more the royal, the royal podcast family can grow. Of course, have a great rest of your day, stay safe and stay healthy, and I will see you in the next one.